Well, happy Friday, everyone. I'm so glad you're here on the Jason Wright Show's best Friday ever. I hope at a minimum that just being here will help your week end up well. And even if you don't have the best Friday ever, I can't guarantee that. I'm going to do my best to try to make it just a little bit better. All right. So you ready? All right. Fasten your seatbelts because we are about to go for a quick ride here on the Jason Wright Show. Best Friday ever. First of all, it has been a busy week at Texas Titan Media. Had some great interviews as well as some good ones coming up. First of all, this week we released the episode of my conversation with David Limbaugh, the brother of former of, of the late uh, Rush Limbaugh. You probably heard the last name Limbaugh before. That's where that comes from. That is, in fact, uh, Rush's brother and his daughter, David's daughter, Kristen Limbaugh Bloom, who is a, a friend. And both of them have written a remarkable book called The Resurrected Jesus. Fantastic book for both the believer and non-believer alike. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian like I am, it's a great way to make the Bible very approachable and remind us that the Apostle Paul, which a lot of the book deals with the letters that Paul wrote in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul was a real man with real struggles and doing real things. And so sometimes we forget that whenever we're talking about the Bible. We think it's like this just book of these kind of, of antiquity, right? But it really brings to life for the believer some of those stories and for the non-believer. It makes the word very approachable. I don't know about a lot of you, but I often have fun trying to understand other religions. Where it, what are the roots of that religion? What is it that they believe? What are the similarities to the Christian faith? And where do we diverge? You know, so it's uh, so if you're not a believer, and here's the thing too, David Limbaugh will self-describe himself as a former skeptic, much like C.S. Lewis, Josh McDowell a lot of, uh, of would-be very prolific authors on the Christian faith, these were people that at one time were either full-blown atheists or skeptics that just had something tugging inside them that wanted to explore further the Christian faith. And then I guess C.S. Lewis is probably the most notable one that most people, most of you listening have heard of. C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest uh, Christian authors of all time, at one point, if I'm not mistaken, was an actual atheist. So it wasn't like he was just agnostic or just kind of wondering what was out there. He did a full 100, a 180 conversion. Um, excuse me, I take take a sip of my tea there, so I'm not clearing my throat like I was all last week on the Best Friday ever. So anyway, we talk about that. It's a great discussion. We talk about David's journey. We talk about Kristen's, and I, I do hope you'll tune into that. Next, I had a fantastic conversation this week with Dr. Matt Camberline of the University of Washington. Matt is probably one of the leading experts <clears throat> in there. See, I go one of the leading experts in the country on health span. Now, a lot is being discussed from the likes of Peter Atia, who that's where I first actually heard Matt was on Peter Atia's podcast. He's been on there like four times and. Every time I'm like, man, I wish I could get him on. And finally I asked and he said yes. And so I got to have a conversation with Matt. And then he's been on Tim Ferriss. He's, he's been all over the place talking about health span. There is a big difference between lifespan and health span. And what Matt is focused on is research that leads to health span. And what do I mean by that? He wants to find out how we can live healthier longer. We are just due to antibiotics and the marvels of modern medicine. We're living longer as a whole. Although we talk about in this conversation, it's kind of sad in America with the obesity, you know, the, the, epidemic, of, the epidemic of obesity happening. 
we're actually reversing trends at a time when we should be living longer, living healthier, having more robust lives in our golden years. We're kind of cutting some of that short just because of our bad dietary habits. And we talk about that, but man, what an honor to have someone like him. I've just mentioned the other podcast he's been on. So to get him on the Jason Wright show and have a conversation was so fun. So be looking for that. And then also a really cool conversation that I have coming up for you is with uh, James Barry, the founder of Pluck uh, Seasonings, which is a a seasoning company. He's Matt's been a chef for over a decade, I think 17 years as an executive chef. And he's also now a just a stud entrepreneur because he's founded Pluck Seasoning. So eatpluck.com is the website. I'll put it in the show notes. And what this is, it's seasonings that are made with organ meats, five different organ meats. I'm going to try to name them all by memory right now. Pancreas, spleen, <clears throat> liver, heart, and brain. Five In every blend, you get five organs. Now, here's the cool thing about that. You've probably heard that organ meats are good for you. They have a very high nutritional content to them that other parts of the of the body do not. However, if you're like me, you know, you watch the you watch Liver King on Instagram, you know, crushing a raw bull testicles and all that crap and I'm like, "Well, that's cool, man, but I don't really want to do that." I would also it'd be really neat if I could get the nutritional value of organ meats but also have it taste really savory and good. Well, Thank you, James Berry and Pluck. You've done it. And I can tell you, I have started eating the Italian zest. James sent me a little care package with some of his product. And the Italian zest is money. I love that stuff. I'm putting it on my eggs, putting it on different meats. It is so fantastic. So eatpluck.com, check it out. It's a, it's a fantastic product. And I'm actually, I'll put it in the show notes. Before you go order, uh, look in the show notes because James gave me a promo code, IMPROVE. Actually, if you just go out there and order, your promo code is IMPROVE. And that's going to get you, I believe, 15% off. So check that out. Go out to Pluck, order you some, promo code IMPROVE, and you will love it. And then I said, what else did I want to tell you guys about? I've got some, I've got, I'm loaded up with conversations uh, coming up. I'm so excited. We've got some good things happening. And uh, I mean, going to take us through the year. And before you know it, it's going to be time to have my buddy Matt Wagner, Wags, back on to have our Christmas extravaganza where we talk about holiday movies. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree. Last year, I came kind of, I, I was not, for as, as the host of the show, I was ill-prepared. I went through this entire man crush Vince Vaughn holiday extravaganza. I love you, Vince, but this year I've got to be a little more thoughtful about my picks because I think I made some bad ones last year. Matt brought his A game, so we're going to be doing that. And then also Rylan and Abby, as you all know, I love to bring the girls on during the holidays to talk about like Christmas traditions, let them poke some fun at their old man, which is really easy to do. I'm an easy target. And so that'll be coming up. I can't believe that we're already talking about that. In fact, I would love for you to go out to Instagram. Maybe I'll do a post at some point and say, what is your movie that kicks off the holiday season? Because a lot of us, that's how we kick off the holiday season, right? With that one movie and hours that we kick it off with, the girls and I, it is the holiday. Love the holiday. No, 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 no. That's wrong. That's, I th- that's wrong. It's either the holiday or um, 
the and, and not the Family Stone. The Family Stone is probably our first real Christmas movie. It's it's always between the Holiday and Love Actually. It used to be Love Actually, but I think that and Stephen Hussey, that's for you, baby. The, I know how much you know Stephen Hussey, who has a podcast with his brother Matthew Hussey. Um, then uh, he loves Love Actually. I mean, he's one of the few British people who actually thinks that Love Actually completely got snubbed at the Academy Awards. And so go out to YouTube and search for Stephen Hussey. Go find him on Instagram. Go find him on all social media. Go listen to his and his brother's podcast and, and ask him all the questions you can think of about Love Actually. I've never seen anyone so obsessed with Love Actually as Stephen Hussey. So check that out. Um, but anyway, it will either be the holiday or love actually that we kick off the holiday season with. Of course, Abby, my youngest, she is a holiday fanatic. I know she will watch the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. That will be her first one that she watches. And then it will be the Thanksgiving, Charlie Brown. And then we'll go into the ones that we all kind of participate in. So can't wait for that. All right. So here's what I want to talk to you about today. Okay. Here's the real topic of the day is... Fear and anxiety, and I know I've already ta- I've already talked about fear and anxiety to a certain degree, because fear is something that I have dealt with uh, throughout my life in different areas. But this is a little bit of a twist. So, what? First of all, let's talk about what is the difference between fear and anxiety, and is there a difference? Okay, and the thing to understand is that essentially a lot of the things that we call anxiety are really just fear. But what happens as adults, we think we have to tag some sort of a psychological label on just typical primitive feelings and emotions, of which one is fear. For example, if you if you have to ask a kid that's a kindergartner, right, what are they anxious about? They, they're probably going to look at you and go, I, I don't know. But if you ask them, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm afraid of my teacher. He or she is pretty mean. I'm afraid of the bully in my class. I'm afraid of the I'm failing a test. I mean, maybe not in kindergarten, but as they go along, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to fail a test. I'm afraid I'm not going to perform well. I'm afraid. They discuss fear. Okay, but then you translate that, that classroom, you turn that into the workplace. And we as adults, we're not going to say, I'm afraid of my boss. Instead, we're just going to say, well, I'm feeling a lot of anxiety at work. But here's what I've learned. And I gotta, I gotta, I'm going to push pause for just a minute before we double-click on this. Understand something. Whenever I bring these topics up that I discussed, like fear and anxiety, most of it, as is the case with nearly every single thing I talk about on The Jason Wright Show, it is a result of me living out this motto of improve always in all ways, right? You've heard me say that, that I firmly believe if I'm the absolute best version of myself, that the fruit of that will spill over and help my fellow man. That's the mission. That's the goal. James Quandall, my dear friend who has an awesome podcast as well that you should check out. We were talking about this yesterday and we're like, okay, you know, what is, how do you, what's your elevator pitch for your show? And I put mine in the, in the, the motto is to improve always and always. This is a self-improvement podcast. If you're asked, if you ever have a question of what, so what is the Jason Wright show? It's a, it's a self-improvement podcast. And it, but it's not just, you know, it's not just about improving mental health. 
There's podcasts for that, and they, and they're awesome. It's not just about improving financial health. It's not just about improving nutritional health, emotional health, spiritual health, relationship health. What it is is this idea, you know, the, the Vitruvian letter, which I, which is my, my personal newsletter. The reason why it's the Vitruvian letter is because Vitruvian man was Leonardo da Vinci's attempt to draw the perfectly proportioned man. That served as my muse whenever I asked, I saw it, I read the story behind it. I was like, what a great concept. What if I took that and took it from a literal physical being to kind of more of a theoretical idea of what does the perfectly proportioned human being look like and what would it look like to pursue that? And then that's whenever it went from this perfectly proportioned human being, which I know I will never reach, I will never attain, but I will always endeavor to to pursue it, to then be the perfectly proportioned human in all these different areas, that would have to inquire or, or entail improving always, nonstop in all ways, not just one, two, or three. So that's what this is all about. So as I speak about fear, and anxiety is because I am personally digging into this to understand some of my own anxieties, some of my own fears. <clears throat> and some of the research I've come upon is really fantastic. And this was one that I found is somewhat of a personal breakthrough. And I'm going to describe to you, first of all, I'm going to describe to you kind of why anxiety comes from fear. And then I want to talk to you about how it manifests itself in real life, because I had an incidence of it uh, this this week that I thought was like, oh, as I was exploring it, trying to kind of un- dissect it to make sense of it for myself and so that I could best deal with it, I thought, I got to tell the audience about that because I guarantee you I'm not the only one. So first of all, let's take a look at our brain a little bit. So if, if you haven't heard my conversation with John Deloney, who wrote the book, best-selling book, by the way, uh, Redefining Anxiety, I highly encourage you to go check that out. It was a great conversation, and one of the things that Dr. John talked about was that anxiety is essentially like a smoke alarm, right? It's a, it's, it's a fire. There's a fire somewhere, and anxiety is kind of the alarm telling you there's a fire. It's not the fire itself. It's just kind of a signal. And so a lot of times, whenever you feel this thing that we title anxiety, the, if you just look at it and put it under a microscope, you will find that that anxiety is based in some form of fear. So what you have to first do is ask yourself, why am I anxious? Where is where what is the root of this? And then if you can get to that place and you will replace I'm anxious because with, with replace that with the idea or the thought I'm afraid of, well then we can get somewhere. And if you can get there, then you can most you can better deal with this thing that you're afraid of. Because here's the thing. I've said this before. One of my favorite quotes of all time is Balzac's quote, most of our fears lie in anticipation. Most of the things that we are afraid of will never come to pass, especially the biggest ones. Isn't that comforting? Isn't that great to know? I hope that helps you. If, if nothing else, I should help you have a better Friday, right? That most of the stuff that you and I are afraid of, not just you, uh, me too, most of it will never come to pass. That's good news. That's great. And so therefore, if we can feel this anxiety, trace it to the thing we're afraid of, and then bring some just good old logic to it, some good history of living, 
some you know, repeat the words that Jason just said on his podcast in our head that this probably won't come to pass or or what I'm afraid of is not even real. I'm placing a value. I'm, I'm running this through my, my filter of meaning, my, my personal stories. I'm applying my story to something to this and I shouldn't because it's just not even true. Okay, now the real life example. Here's what happened to me this week. So I'm creating these courses, as I've talked about, through the Vitruvian Lab. It's my personal app, my personal training app. I'm about to launch it full-blown. Y'all hear more about that. You can go to the App Store right now and download the Vitruvian Lab. And I, I hope you do. I wish you would. Uh, you can just type in Vitruvian Lab or my name, Jason Wright, and it'll come up. And what this is is like having a personal trainer in your pocket, not just for you know, physical health. There's plenty of those. This is for nutrition, emotional, all the things we talk about on the show. I'm actually putting it into a training format. Think about this. Now I'm not comparing myself to Tim Ferriss by any means. Please don't say that or don't think that I would never be so arrogant or so bold. But I think if there's one guy that I would love to just be able to have, okay, what are you doing tactically without having to listen to his podcast, without having to listen to his YouTube, but actually take the Tim Ferriss methodology for approaching mental health, reading, you know, study, learning new tasks, all that stuff that he does have out there and put it into a personal training course and then be a part of his world with one-on-one -on -one live interaction, that'd be pretty cool, right? I mean, just because the guy's kind of, or, or, or a lot of guys like that, uh, Lex Friedman, same thing, Andrew Huberman, uh, Peter Atia, all these guys that are doing just really, really good things that seem to have dialed in on not just one area of optimization, but just living life optimized, that's kind of, I might need to write that down. That sounds like that sounds kind of cool, doesn't it? Somebody, you should st somebody should start the podcast and title it "Living Life Optimized." That's that's pretty cool. All right, uh, yeah, producer producer Joe, write that down. Okay, so that's what this is going to be. And so here's what I did. So I created this little I I called it a trailer, but really it's just a little welcome video that I that I created. And I have this group I belong to. It's kind of like a, a mastermind group for that for of other uh, coaches that are using the same app platform that I am. And it's a Facebook group, about two thousand members, and we're all sharing kind of our trial and error. Here's what I'm doing, or ask questions. Hey, what if you? What's the best practice for this part? And I I just did this video real quick, and I. And I, I, I'm going to put it within one of the lessons. And I'm kind of pumped about it. I'm like, oh, I figured that out, how to do that. This will be kind of cool to include in the lesson. I post it up there into the group. And now this is a friendly group. Okay, it's a friendly group of, of everybody trying to do the same thing. And people immediately started just ripping on my video that I had produced. Basically saying, I don't know what this is for. It doesn't mean anything to me. Oh, it looks like just a bunch of stock footage and some music. I and mean, basically saying, yeah, this is crap. And I'm like, oh my God, you don't even know me. And so immediately I felt the anxiety. And I'm thinking, all right. First of all, and it's, and it's rejection, right? It's rejection. They're, they, they, now, not everyone did that. A lot of people were like, oh, this is awesome. This is really cool. And, you know, and, and look, bottom line, if you're going to put something out like that, you got to be ready for the rejection, right? I mean, there's, People that are going to listen to the episode of this podcast, and they're probably going to, you know, DM me, "Hey, that episode really sucked," or "I will never listen to your show again." You know, I, I, whatever. Uh, that's just what happens when you put yourself out there. You just got to be ready. So it wasn't that, but I felt some anxiety, and so I had to sit there and go, "Okay, what is the anxiety? What is the smoke alarm telling me?" 
it wasn't the rejection because I'm, I'm prepared for that. And I want that. Okay. I, I, I want that. I need that. Hell, one of my courses, the, the flagship course is having a growth mindset. And to have a growth mindset, you have to be able to take criticism and feedback. You just have to. So they did me some awesome favors by giving some of the critiques. So I knew it wasn't that. I knew it wasn't that I was like, pissed off because they didn't like what I had created. That's not fair to them. That would not be fair to just throw something out there and expect it to be universally loved or to put something out there that has some flaws and people go, oh yeah, that's great just to be nice. And then I never get better. So it wasn't that. So I was like, what the hell is it? That that rejection of that sort doesn't bother me. I welcome it so I can correct it. Thought about it, thought about it. And here's what it came to. I was afraid. What was I afraid of? I was afraid that anything else I had created that I hadn't shown them sucked. I was afraid that because a few of them rejected my video, that everyone would reject the entire course. I was afraid that the hours and hours and the just the headaches and the my eyes glazing over and burning from putting this thing together and the my god the research and the study to try to put into this thing that it was all for naught that's what i was afraid of now it could have just as easily been oh my god i don't, don't like rejection but what does that mean but see that in and of itself what is rejection. What is it? Well, if you trace it, and it, might, it, it, it again, based on your life's story and the filters you're running it through, if someone rejects, let's say that you're an aspiring cook, chef, and you cook Thanksgiving dinner, and you have a signature dish that you think you've perfected, and your grandmother tells you it tastes like crap, She's rejected you, okay, and that hurts. The, the, the burning starts in your stomach, the anxiety. What's that coming from? Why does the rejection cause you anxiety? Well, it might be because you think, oh my God, this thing that I worked so hard on that I love, grandma doesn't like, so maybe it really sucks, and if grandma doesn't like it, no one else will like it. No, let's, let's look at the reality of that. What are the chances of your grandmother speaking for every single human being who will ever eat your signature dish. Pretty slim, right? Pretty slim. So you go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's that's not logical to think that. And by the way, how can I leverage this? And this is what I did. I was like, okay, I've got this rejection for my video. Okay, cool. How can I leverage this? Well, (laughs) the best way is to make the damn thing better. The best thing is to look at some of the critiques I'm getting and plug those holes. Fear absolved. Here's another thing it does. When you can trace your anxiety to fear and slay the fear. See, here's the thing too, and I'm about to get to the different parts of the brain that makes this all work smoothly. It, it, It comes down to this whole idea of, again, you know, he who controls his mind or he who conquers his mind conquers the world. Zeno, father of Stoic philosophy. That's what all this is going to come back to. If you can stop and figure out 
trace the anxiety. Why is that dog barking? Let's think about it. Cotton, God bless him, right now, his big, fluffy, fat butt is sitting on the couch doing nothing. But at any minute, you guys might hear him go just completely ape crap barking, right? Okay. Now, what are the chances of Cotton barking at a zombie coming up Holly Square Court and coming to my house ready to kill me? Or so, uh, 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 a band of bandits? Because, you know, we have bands of bandits running through the streets all the time in Holly Tree. A band of bandits coming up, ready to storm my home. And that's why Cotton is barking. Most likely, Cotton's barking at some poor 80-year-old lady that's out on her walk around my circle. That's nothing to be afraid of. But Cotton, he's, he's giving me a signal. He's saying, hey, this might be something that you should worry about. But what I can do, if I stop and think about it, I can go, okay, Cotton, I hear you. I can look out the window and go, hey, that's just Mrs. Magowitz. She's cool. Great lady. And by the way, you could beat her up, Cotton. Problem solved. Absolved. Nothing to worry about. That's what anxiety is. Most of the time, it's Cotton barking, giving you a signal. There might be something wrong here based on, based on your life's history, based on what? Your mind is telling you this might, not you should, but might be something you should be afraid of. It's up to us to then look at it and go, yes, I should. No, I shouldn't. And if I shouldn't, if there's action to be taken, what should that action be? So I deciphered the whole thing and thought, well, a couple of things I can do with this rejection. One, I can make my video a lot better, which I've gone back and done. Thank you, thank you, people that rejected my video. Two, let's address the fear. Just because they didn't like the video has nothing to do with the entire course I've created. Nothing to do with it. And three, there were people who liked it. So the people who didn't like it didn't speak for everybody. Four, I could use it as an example on my podcast on the best Friday ever. That's another way to leverage it. It's a it's a it's a lesson, right? So this is something that I hope lands with some of you that if you're dealing with anxiety, change the word anxiety with, I'm afraid. Because here's the thing. It's really hard to say, this is where, this makes it concrete. It's really hard to just go, if somebody says, hey, what's wrong with you? And they go, I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just afraid. No, we're afraid of a thing. We can identify a thing we're afraid of. Anxiety, I'm anxious. Really? Why? I don't know. That's so nebulous. Switch the word anxiety with fear and just see what happens. Just see. I think you can get more concrete with what's going on. Now, here's how the brain works. We have three brains, okay? Yeah, we do. You actually have three brains. That, and to understand them will help you understand better what's happening. Now, so here comes the tactical approach to this. The first thing you have is the reptilian brain. This is your brain stem. This sits at the bottom. And actually, if you look at it, it looks like the complete, the full brain of an alligator. Okay, so there's your reptilian brain. And this what the reptilian brain does. It's what 
tell reminds your heart to be. You don't have to think about it, right? It just kind of does, does the. It, it helps you wake up in the morning, go to sleep at night. These kind of just almost autom- automatic tasks. That's that's what's happening with the reptilian brain. The next is your midbrain, which is your mammalian brain. This is for survival. This is where the amygdala resides. And I've talked a lot about the amygdala. It's a little almond-shaped part of your brain that filters things coming in to let you know. It's the fight or flight. This is the thing that, based on everything, every piece of data that your brain is holding, this is the part of the brain that sees something, that hears cotton barking and knows there might be a band of bandits on Holly Street, on Holly Tree Square, or Holly Square Court. Can't remember the name of my street. There might be bandits out there. There might be a zombie out there, or it might be Mrs. Magowitz. Fight or flight. That's the part of your brain that warns you. You know, the, the one that everybody uses, the example, everybody uses the saber-toothed tiger. For saber-toothed tigers to be so bad that we still talk about them, they weren't very good survivors. Just a, just a thought there. But anyway, that's what the mammalian brain does. Then your next part is the cortex. Now, this is, the, this is where the good stuff happens. Your cortex is kind of that, that, that part of the, of the brain that allows you to create. It's what makes humans the top of the animal kingdom. Okay, this is what sets us apart. This is what allows us to create great art, to build things. And that's the part of our brain where we always want to have an opening access to. But here's what happens. If we don't learn how to control the mammalian brain, the amygdala, to tell cotton to stop barking, if we can't control that, then every single time we want to write our symphony, we won't be able to hear the notes because instead cotton will be barking louder and louder and louder. There's nothing more aggravating than trying to really concentrate on something when you've got a huge distraction. And this is what happens. So if we can stop and figure out how to control the mammalian, the midsection of the brain, so that we can get access to the cortex, then we can start to think about things in a more creative fashion, a more productive fashion. We remove the fear. We lower the anxiety. Because what we do is we identify that this thing that's causing anxiety is a fear that's probably completely unfounded. And by the way, if it is, well, that's what the amygdala is for. Then it's fight or flight. It's not flight and flight or fight and fight, fight and by God, fight. No, if it's something that needs to be fought mentally, physically, okay, take action. If it's, you know, if it's flight, then get the hell out of there. But either way, you got to figure out what is going on. So, I challenge you, This maybe this should have been the uh, Monday mission, but nevertheless, it was fresh on my mind because I'm actually, again, I'm dealing with it right now. I mean, the, the video I, I put out, um, it, it was just yesterday. And so I thought, I got to talk about this. Learn to control your, to, to lower your anxiety by controlling your fears. And the best way to do that is to stop just saying, I'm anxious. Find out why. What are you afraid of? And when you find it, 
put the fear in its proper context. And this is, look, I'm not so naive as to think this is an easy task. Fear is an MFR. Fear sucks. There are so many people that live in constant fear, and my heart breaks for them. I know some of them. Some of our closest friends, they live in absolute horror. And they'll, they're nervous, and they'll tell you, I'm just anxious, I'm feeling anxious. Well, you're probably afraid. And if you could figure out what it is you're afraid of, if you could identify your saber-toothed tiger and realize that saber-toothed tigers have been extinct for a long, long time, that it's probably nothing to be anxious about at all. I hope that that helps you. I hope that gives you something to consider as you go into your your weekend. Don't be afraid unnecessarily. Don't. Don't be anxious unnecessarily. Conquer your mind so that you can conquer your world. And please continue to improve. Always and always listen to The Jason Wright Show. Please check out my interview with David Limbaugh and his daughter, Kristen Limbaugh Bloom. I got my my conversation with Matt Camberline coming up. Fantastic. So cool. I'm so excited about that one. James Berry. And then again, I've got the pipeline filled up. Probably going to take us through the rest of the year. So, And then if you haven't done so yet, please, please, please consider subscribing to the Vitruvian Letter. It's where I write about topics like this. Find cool things that I'm trying, cool movies. Oh, real quick, I, want, I do want to listen. Uh, mention a, a great movie that Jim Lynn and I watched last night. It's called Being Flynn with Robert De Niro. And I can't remember the kid's name. Let me see this. I got to tell you, he was the the uh, preacher in There Will Be Blood. Let me see. Being Flynn. A great actor. Paul Dano. That guy is awesome. I love him. It's a good movie based on a true story. Good movies are really hard to find these days, and so I want to let you know when one comes out. So do the research on Being Flynn. Check it out. Good film. De Niro at his best. And uh, until we meet again, again, need to improve always and always. I'm Jason. Thanks for listening. I'm out.